Today I'm chatting with Samira Khan. I met Samira at a conference in Bangladesh just over a year ago. She works at the intersection of social impact and technology in a leadership role with Salesforce, a software company headquartered in the US. They provide customer relationship management services. We chat about social entrepreneurship, what that means today and how it's important, where technology is being put to good use, both in the for-profit and the not-for-profit sectors. And of course, we touch on the current situation, the impact and changes being seen following the disruption of 2020. I hope you enjoy the chat. Here's my conversation with Samira Khan. Good evening, Samira. Welcome to the Task Podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing well, despite everything that's going on in this world. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's certainly a crazy time, hey? Mid, mid-year, and um, that's probably one of the first things I'm going to ask you about. But before I do, maybe just, just to give a bit, bit of background. On the intro to the podcast, I will have just given a little background, but maybe a bit more in terms of um, you know, professionally and, and personally and uh, you know, where you're at in the world at the moment. I'm obviously in Thailand, and, and you're over there in the U.S., but... Yeah, just a bit of an intro background would be great. Yeah, so I, I work for Salesforce.org. I'm on the impact management team, and Salesforce.org is the social impact business unit of Salesforce.com. So we're using the underlying technology and intellectual property created by .com to serve the social sector. So I work in nonprofit, I work in the education sector, and I also touch corporations that are trying to do good in the world through their philanthropic giving and their volunteerism. My role is very much focused around partnerships, and I think that's how I met you. We met at BRAC in, in Bangladesh. And that combination of technology, partnerships, and trying to serve some of the most vulnerable populations in the world is what really drives me, because I do have prior experience working across Asia. And when I was a child, I took many trips to South Asia and Asia. So I'm constantly trying to combine some of that narrative and, and my purpose with the work that I do on a daily basis at Salesforce. Cool. And yeah, I mean, a, a, a great place to be, obviously, you know, with, with my own kind of professional background has some similarities and, and, um, yeah, interesting place we find ourselves now. Hey, I mean, what, what I wanted to kind of just start with the, the elephant in the room and, you know, how your, how your year's going. We're obviously mid-year and it's been, I, I think, 2020 is not something we would have uh, predicted at all. How, how are you doing personally? How's Salesforce? Uh, you know, I, I, it seems to me that um, uh, Mark Benioff has dealt with the situation in a, in a really brave way. And I think, as I understand, staff have all been retained. But how, how are you doing? How's the disruption? How's life at the moment? So on a personal front, admittedly, at first, I was in disbelief. And so I was just ramping up my work, both in terms of Salesforce and otherwise in my daily life, trying to maintain a sense of normalcy and the same degree of rhythm and cadence with regards to my personal life. Now that we've been in lockdown for a while, things are just starting to open up. Things have gotten to me a bit more. So I'm thinking more about broader purpose in life, connection, where I want to be spending my time. I don't feel that my health is necessarily the same. So it's something I want to double down on as well. The silver lining is that it's been eye-opening. I think it's really getting me to examine what my legacy is, where my passion lies and how I want to spend my time. I'm becoming closer to my friends and family, even though it's remotely as a result. 
With regards to Salesforce, as I mentioned, we were really working around the clock to figure out, A, how can we pivot some of our current work to better serve our employees, our customers, just thinking across stakeholders, looking at collaborative partnerships. And Mark Benioff has, in fact, done a very good job of structuring some of those things. There's a lot of cross-functional work taking place. And it's really literally just begun. So I view this as a very long journey where we continue to double down on not only the COVID response and the support we can provide as a tech company in multiple ways, and perhaps we can get into that later, but also the role that we can play in terms of the racial injustice and the impacts of not only the pandemic, but sort of the racial context in the US as well as globally. So we're thinking about those two things very deeply and heavily, both in terms of tech, as well as in terms of our own culture and our other assets and resources. Yeah, I didn't, it's interesting you mentioned that. Obviously we've had the pandemic and then we've had this, you know, newer situation, which is invoking massive shifts and, and changes in the world. And um, you touched on it then. I mean, what, I don't know anything about, I didn't have it on my list of things to talk about, but as you mentioned, it probably interesting. Um, you know, I know nothing about how Salesforce approaches um, things like diversity within the workplace i imagine it's a big focus is is what's happening changing that was there already change was there already already forward thinking or what are you seeing within salesforce and other businesses that you're close to so you're absolutely right we've already have and had a dedicated effort we have the office of equality that is very much focused on diversity and inclusion and equity not just internally but also how do we lead the sector and lead conversations with others in the tech sector and more broadly in our community around these topics so that was already taking place we're just sort of doubling down and deepening the type of leadership voices that we're elevating through programs that we have like leading through change and explore basically exploring with our employees more um, how we can get diverse viewpoints into these conversations that were already taking place so elevating those lived experiences elevating those narratives is now more prominent on our agenda agenda in addition to that we've started having these cross-functional task forces that are very much focused on racial injustice Similar to what Google is doing, we're bringing together engineers with impact thought leaders, with philosophers, external partners, really getting multiple voices on the table, multiple resources to discuss what more we can do as a tech sector, as a tech sector and as a company. So we have these committees at multiple levels. That wasn't taking place before. As I mentioned before, we're also considering how can we use the Salesforce technology. So the Salesforce technology, just being a customer relationship management platform, touches many different players. And those who are using Salesforce are in turn touching others. So how do we use our voice and amplify our voice and our technology usage around this? I think the technology pathway to, let's say, diversity, inclusion, and equity is a longer one. As I mentioned, it's going to be a journey but what's happening effective immediately is this sort of discussion and dialogue around internal culture change. So how can we get more women sort of a voice or seat at the table? How do we think about racial representation at the highest levels of the organization? I wouldn't say obviously that we have it all figured out and that we have specific tactics, but we do realize that there's this reset that needs to take place. At least that's how I termed it 
Um, this morning I was speaking at a conference and I called it the equality reset. And I think it's really much about that. And we've taken that very seriously. So what types of mindset and cultural shifts need to take place? How do we educate people and leadership differently? How do we empower them to educate themselves if the appetite exists? Um, so we're really thinking about that as well as what are the types of investments we can make that are tangible and immediate in terms of racial injustice as well as the pandemic response, whether that be capital or you know technology and in-kind donations or it be actual commitments to having a certain percentage of people represented um, in particular areas of the organization. As I mentioned, we haven't yet gotten there, so it is a journey, but it was exciting to read sort of another company in the tech sector, Google, and how seriously they've taken their commitments and actions. So I hope we can follow suit. That's awesome. And, and you know, I, the, the fact that this has kind of ignited an, an, a new wave of collaboration, it sounded like, by what you're saying, which is so important, right? Because companies, I think people working in isolation is part of the problem. You, you know, you can have great ideas and, uh, and the right values and be moving forward. But I, but I feel this kind of collaboration across not just the same sector, but other sectors to make change, you know, a wider, throw a wider net of change is so important. Partnering, collaboration um, within your role, it seems to me from looking at the, some of the stuff you've done, that's a big focus for you is this kind of connection and collaboration of different teams, different organizations, different people of different backgrounds. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and so just on that point, I recently joined the World Economic Forum COVID Response Alliance for Social Entrepreneurs. I, meaning Salesforce.org, and I'm representing .org on that, um, or on those meetings. And it's super interesting to hear how you have social entrepreneurs who are working on the ground, who are seeing the problems day to day on the same call with those who are providing capital on the same call with big tech companies who are providing technology and thinking about their response. I had seen such collaboration before at particular junctures or periods of time, um, you know, around Davos and whatnot, but having it in this way in a working group on a more regular basis, that type of contact with people on the ground and tech companies that are headquartered in the West is very interesting. I think we're coming up with um, some interesting ways forward on how we can work together. The process we've taken is we're all bringing to the table the needs and challenges that we're hearing and seeing on the ground and then making commitments with regards to our current assets on what we can give to Alliance members. As I mentioned, Alliance members are quite diverse. So it's a pretty creative, challenging, collaborative exercise. There are multiple pillars that represent sub-working groups that people are working on. In terms of Salesforce, I've been able to take our pro bono um, program and our tech licenses pr program called Power of Us Hub that offers tech licenses at a discounted rate to nonprofits and make that available to Alliance members, make our pro bono support available, as I mentioned, and just think about sort of more broadly, what types of dedicated partnerships can we bring to the table where we're combining non-financial assets, support in kind with potentially financial assets and expertise. So I really wanna be able to organize our culture and our people around specific cause areas or challenges that these social entrepreneurs are facing as well as sort of citizens on the ground are facing. And I think this alliance provides a vehicle or a way to sort of pilot and test that in partnership with others. So there's a lot of great players um, at the table, tech and non-tech. 
that's awesome. I'd, I'd love to just ask a word definition when you talk um, just from, for our listeners and, you know, there's many terms out there, impact, uh, nonprofit, charity, there's, there's all these things, <laughs> SDGs, which we'll talk about in a minute. Social entrepreneur is not a new term, but, but I think it's used in different contexts. When you talk about social entrepreneurs, are you talking about, you know, individuals in the social space? And this is a bit of a leading comment because I want to ask you some other mm -hmm. stuff about charity and business. But when you talk about social enterprise, social entrepreneurs, how do you define those businesses or those types of people? Because I think it's changed recently or it may not done for you. You know, just can you give me a kind of definition or an example of the types of people you're talking about in that kind of domain? Yeah, no, that's a great question. It's something that we talk about internally and a question that I've been asked before. So I'm, I'm not surprised. I keep it broader. So in my mind or the way we interpret it, it's both for profit as well as nonprofit and includes any hybrid organizations. And so being for profit or non, not for profit isn't necessarily a part of the definition, but there are these different types of social enterprises and social entrepreneurs, what they all have in common is a mission-led business um, that is focused on trying to solve a key social challenge or work in a particular social impact, let's say social sector cause area, whether that be water or education. So that mission focus and the prominence of the mission, especially with respect to profit, is the way that I think the definition is changing. So to some degrees, I view that the mission must trump sort of profit when business decisions are made, although that wasn't explicitly called out as a part of the definition previously. And to this sort of mission-led aspect, I would add having a for-profit component um, is important or a business model, something that is market-driven, a market-driven solution, a market-driven service, a market-driven product is a very important part of the definition as well. Um, some people will add to that, that a particular percentage of the profits need to go back into the enterprise or business. To me, that's optional, but the mission-led aspect is certainly not optional, and nor is having a market sort of rooted or market-based solution. Yeah, I think we, we probably pretty much almost agree on it. And, you know, there's also this term profit for purpose, which I would imagine fits for you in the same kind of space. And we see ourselves as a business like that. You know, we have a, a mission to invoke change for good. You know, that, that's what we're focused on, but we're not a charity. And I, I suppose the kind of segue question to that is, you know, from your experience and having, you know, worked around the world and, you know, it looks like you did some relief work after the Nepal earthquake and stuff, or you were involved in some stuff there. You know, how, how do you see the role of charity changing, if at all, and, and the role of business changing and, and operating more like charities? Or do you see these kind of entities as, um, you know, intrinsically different and having different roles and just partnering? Certainly, I see there being blurring of the lines. And especially in the current context with COVID-19 and enhanced racial injustice and unrest, or at least unrest as a result of years of injustice, because I think there's a certain level of trust that has been broken with regards to the way things have been siloed or current institutions and business models. So certainly see corporations taking on a greater role with multiple stakeholders, whether it's their employees or their suppliers or you know, other partners in their ecosystem simply because they're going to have to in order to survive and thrive. And in addition, I think they feel an added 
sort of moral or should feel an added moral responsibility or ethical responsibility towards society, given the amount of resources that they're able to mobilize. So I do, do see corporations as taking on a, you know, more social sector focused role. The World Economic Forum has previously referred to it as a quasi-government role. I wouldn't necessarily go so far as to say that, but certainly taking on more of this purpose-led and philanthropic work that has previously been associated with governments and charities. Likewise, I think governments have proven to be successful in some areas, which is mobilizing you know, resources quickly toward particular social services or in, in situations, but they're required more and more, I think, to partner with the private sector and that partnership will only grow. And I think that will dilute the sort of reliance we have on governments and the expectation that they are there to fill every end, you know, all social need that might exist among societies. So I think that reliance is less, that trust is less, and the bias certainly exists. So governments must work increasingly so in collaboration with others. I think with nonprofits and traditional nonprofits, not thinking about sort of social um, enterprises, which I view as separate, it's been pretty challenging for them during current times. Um, because they are so resource constrained and so dependent on donor capital. So I think for them, just diversifying their own business model and the way they think will be important. So what types of capital they will accept, how they think about loans, guarantees, that same diversification on the capital provider side. I know Shell Foundation, for example, is a foundation but is sort of has corporate ties and they provide loans and guarantees and specific topics and in specific sort of emerging markets there are a number of accelerators and funds emerging that serve social enterprises so there's a range of diversification of capital and i think nonprofits will have to think about how they tap into those capital sources i recently spoke to an interesting entity or organization that's us based called good returns and they are helping nonprofits think about their business model and pivot their business model. I had never previously thought of nonprofits as mm. being entities that are able to even pivot their business model. And a huge component of that is partnering with corporations and seeing how corporations can take on some of these nonprofits or bring them on board and then help them pivot their business model as a part of a broader corporate narrative. I'm sure people have different points of views on um, how they feel about that change, but that's certainly the direction some people want to see it go. I guess the final thing that I will say is the reason the World Economic Forum work around social entrepreneurship excites me so much is, one, going back to the original point about serving the most vulnerable populations, I think social enterprises have some of the most um, game-changing innovative solutions for problems on the ground. I think they truly will be movers and shakers with regards to the SDGs that you mentioned. So there is that component of the power of the social enterprise and the social entrepreneur. And I want to make sure that power exists because it'll be very important to sustain us through this recovery period. At the same rate, they are extremely vulnerable right now just because of lack of cash on hand, business operations not being able to keep up. Um, these sort of liquidity issues have really, really put social enterprises in danger. So I think it's a very important thing for us to address as well. Yeah, completely agree with you. And, I, and um, yeah, I think the exciting thing about social enterprises, the business model, and I mean, you just mentioned, I wrote it down, good returns. I'll have to look at them. I mean, when you start using terms like pivoting the business model of a charity, that's an interesting concept. So I'll be really, I'll, I'll re look at that afterwards. And, uh, you know, I think the, 
the fact that social enterprises typically will have a business model and although it's it's always challenging in the sector it, that tends to attract at least the proposition of funding funding from impact investors and other areas where it's you know it's not just the, the donation story it is some sort of return as well as the social return so um just leading on from that you know i wanted to to ask you really we've we've been seeing some really exciting stories during the virus or during during covid in terms of reinvented business models um you know as you know we're doing some work in the in the food bank space and we're coming across different stories of you know when when all these for one i saw for example was um a lot of uh, all the restaurants um waiters and service staff were out of work and they were then employed by a major food bank that wouldn't normally employ volunteers but needed the extra help it was a kind of bespoke business model to deal with a, a crisis situation are there any have you seen any good examples any kind of i suppose bright lights during such a you know tricky time um in terms of great stories of reinvention in the non-profit or social enterprise space yeah i think um the what the example that you just gave is is super interesting i would say what i've noticed or been focused on is um i don't know the best term for it i i almost want to call it a, a softer pivot i mean one is just salesforce itself so we've taken our underlying customer relationship management platform and we built out work.com which is a resource page or resource hub for businesses and helping businesses get back to work. So we cover things like wellness checks and we talk about financial planning resources and there's a number of different elements and we rolled it out relatively quickly to all of our customers and all of our partners. In my personal life, I was surprised to see there were sort of students who were no longer college students from excellent universities who were no longer attending classes in person every day who banded together and formed a mentorship network in short order so they were providing homeschooling and distance learning um via zoom to elementary age and middle school age and high school age students i mean that was very interesting to me on multiple levels just personally you know having a family um that that was a resource i i began exploring it you had these really interesting capable students providing these zoom tutoring lessons and given mm -hmm. that kids were no longer in school and i'm a working mom i'm not available to sort of you know homeschool my kids properly i did look into it so i thought that was really neat on multiple levels um it was students coming together it, it, youth energy um really capable students it was filling a market need that existed it was filling a very relevant market need that was affecting my home life and it was allowing these students to also make money on the side um, <laughs> yeah i would say that that those are the main ones that come to mind right now at least yeah cool i hope i didn't i didn't put you on the spot i don't think i briefed you on that question so but i assumed you would have you would have come across some examples um you know during the last few months um just on i said i wanted to talk about sdgs broad subject obviously um i know it's something that you know you are focused on within your role currently right or or at least you know mm -hmm. what you know what you see as a focus of the business i mean something my, my experience with sdgs as a business we are you know we we align to the sdgs we're looking at providing 
you know, other businesses with the opportunity to use our tech to be more transparent and be able to report around what they're doing around SDGs. Um, you know, where there, there are also a lot of other indicators. I, you know, this for me, I've, I've personally seen as can be problematic, actually, and why we've just said, you know, SDGs is what we're going to look at. How are you approaching this? Do you see SDGs as the future? Do you think, you know, there will be kind of dropping off of, of other reporting mechanisms or bringing into the set under the same umbrella? Um, and I say this also as a person who's still learning, actually, about the complexity of some of, the, of this space from a reporting standpoint. But I, you know, I see you, you, you mentioned SDGs already, and I know we've talked about it. Yeah, what, do you see SDGs as the future? Do you see them incorporating other indicators? What, you know, where do you stand on that stuff? That's a huge question, <laughs> and I could probably talk forever on it because I've spent a lot of time thinking about it. So pardon me if this is rather lengthy, but as you already know, the sustainable development goals were originally written for government actors. So if you look at the actual indicators, although they cover a wide range of social challenges, they are, you know, the indicators are written for government. So it's hard for businesses and social enterprises to act on them, to implement them, to measure progress against them. With that said, in recent years, there's been a lot of activity around how other standard setters map back to the SDGs and how they incorporate SDG thinking into these sort of guidelines and targets that they put out. So for example, I know that there have been efforts um, from the Global Reporting Initiative to think about how they map back to the SDGs. There is work being done by B-Lab. It's called, I think, I believe it's the B-Lab Action Manager that is around um, the SDGs. There is an effort that looks at industry-related materiality and risks that are important to, uh, you know, various industries using SASB standards that maps back to the SDGs, then outside of these sort of more widely used, more prevalent, more widely accepted frameworks, whether it's, you know, relating to climate or the ones that I just mentioned, um, you do have other frameworks that are emerging that are either trying to identify themes within the SDGs and report to them or analyze the SDGs in new ways based on system change and interdependencies. So you also have those efforts going on. And the ones that come to mind are Future Fit. So Future Fit has sort of boiled down or not boiled down or boiled up or sort of structured the SDGs around particular and specific challenges that you can report against, thinking about where a business may want to take, um, take themselves in the future, what a future world could look like. So they're using one methodology. You have the World Benchmarking Alliance, which is thinking about um, industry benchmarks, and they are really bringing together cross-sector players to come up with industry benchmarks, keeping the SDGs in mind. You have, um, I believe it, it's, uh, I think her name is, I can't know, Kate Rosworth, and I, you might have to check on this one. She has the donut model of economics, which is looking at how particular social sector related issues are bounded by other environmental SDGs, and you must work within the confines and constraints of the world. So there's other sort of alternative mm -hmm. models on the traditional ways of viewing the SDGs, and there's also all these sort of mapping back efforts that are taking place. Finally, there's like true cost, which has a methodology around revenue alignment um, and taking a business and trying to figure out how 
a business's revenue generating activities aligns the SDGs. So long story short is I think the SDGs are a great universal language. They're a great framework. I do not view them as just a marketing tool. I think, you know, there are ways to use them to measure progress. I think those ways and the extent to which actors do it and the incentives they have to do it depend somewhat on their industry. Corporations obviously have different incentives and they are trying to you know, present a socially responsible um, picture at, at, at some levels. And then sometimes they come together with other industry players and want to benchmark and whatnot. So that makes things more real. But you need to have the right stricture, structures, mechanisms, incentives um, in place to get to use the SDGs as true measurement, as being sort of true accountability mechanisms. And I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done within each sector and across sectors. Impact investors have been super forward leaning recently. I do think the environmental space is further along. So if you look at environmental topics, they're much more tangible, especially when you're looking at private sector progress against some of those issues. Um, if you're looking at climate change and whatnot, but social sector, it's a little bit harder. I have also heard there are gaps in the SDGs around human rights and vulnerable populations and just thinking about the equality and interdependencies. So there's probably still additional work to be done. I hope that long-winded answer helps. It, uh, yeah, it does indeed. And uh, yeah, we had, um, I, yeah, I think at the beginning you said there was talk of, you know, more integration between GRI and, and SDG, and I, I, which would be great. And I totally agree with you. With, they're not a marketing tool and they often can come across as that. But I also think that's the benefit because I think a lot of the other indicators certainly the way they've been presented is much more like spreadsheet models and they're not exciting and you need something exciting to engage the non-techie side of the audience you then need the technical capability to back up what's being done to give validity to those sdgs within a business context so yeah i think we agree and i yeah i wrote a few notes then we were talking so there are areas i haven't heard of um you know indicators i haven't heard of and again also agree on the environmental space which i think is is further along and tends to be, um, uh, you know, more detailed in, in some of the ways they've reported in the past because you can be, it's easier to go out and measure things like carbon um, reduction and, you know, mm -hmm. than it is social, certain social impact metrics, which are much harder because they're, um, they're people-based. So yeah, no, thank you. And, and, and makes a lot of sense. Um, pretty much kind of coming to the end and um, yeah, I, I, I think just to, really you know probably a kind of finalized question or an end question to the podcast you know what do you see as um what do you see as coming out of this situation i mean if we just spoke actually a month ago we'd have probably just been talking about you know covid and obviously now everything else that's happened is bringing up new is um issues and resolutions but you know i suppose what's your slant on 2021 and what business can learn from this and and moving forward you know where what's the I don't want to say it's a positive angle, but I, I tend to look at it that way myself. What do you see as the, um, the silver lining as we come out of these situations and the learning that we can take from it, both business and personally? Yeah, no, that's a wonderful question. And I misspoke earlier, so I just want to make one correction. It was Donut um, SDG Economics by Kate Raworth, not Rosworth. Um, yeah, so going back to your question, professionally or in terms of corporations and private sector actors, I am optimistic. And last night I was reading this Harvard Business Review article on corporate social justice. I really do think that corporations 
will start to think seriously about um, corporate social justice. And what I mean by that is racial equality and how it plays out in not just the workplace, but in the societies and communities around them. So you will see an increase in investment um, on sort of racial injustice issues. You will see greater career pathway programs evolving. Um, these, these sort of programs were already taking place amongst big corporations, but I think you will see more corporate actors coming together and doing more in the space. And it's not going to be a short-term fix. I do think it will be a model change because there is a lot of activity and unrest and voice behind it. Maybe I'm being too optimistic. I have heard others say, this is not going to change anything. This is all marketing. But I, I, view, I view it as being differently, just like we've seen increasing corporate social innovation. And in the past sort of 12 to 13 years of my career, I've seen an evolution from you know, each sector working in a siloed way, nonprofits versus government versus corporations to CSR to now corporate social innovation. I similarly think corporate social justice will emerge personally I think people will be a lot more appreciative and attuned to what they need, ironically, and physically, and how much physical and interpersonal interaction they need. And I think they will pursue it and value it and bring a new energy to it. And it's a bit counterintuitive because so many more people are using the internet and Zoom to keep themselves busy. But I think due to sort of the overload of that and the inability or lack of freedom and choice to meet people, it will make people much more appreciative of the internet interactions they have and they will have higher quality um, interactions with with people that they really want to be with so that that's 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 me but I, I think I am a little bit optimistic and that's just my nature otherwise I wouldn't be sort of in the social impact space I think well I'm probably the same I said that during the question because um, yeah I assumed you would be and I am as well but I don't think that's necessarily it's certainly not a bad thing and I think it's probably not wrong and I definitely agree with you and, you know, you mentioned actually at the beginning of the call, I think, when right in the beginning, you talked about, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you, you know, you found that some of this time has brought you closer to family, although that's been on Zoom. And um, I think that's how you framed it. But, you know, I've had similar um, personal, I suppose, growth experiences in terms of, you know, I have a weekly call with my family overseas now who you know, I haven't lived in the UK for 25 years. Uh, we've been doing... Oh my you know we've done some Thai lessons for my sister's kids and there's certain things that have come out wow. of this ironically through technology though that that is the irony that you know you, mm -hmm. the, I, you you're kind of closer but from a tech mechanism which is you know we all want to be kind of face to face but um so yeah totally agree with you and 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 makes sense so I, unless there's is there anything else anything I didn't ask that you'd like to talk about or no, I just really love that last point that you made that it is ironically through the technology that you've become closer. I've also sort of been using technology in unique and new ways, and I'm no longer dismissive of the amount of sort of distance intimacy I've been able to achieve using technology. So mm -hmm. no, this was this was very interesting. And thank you so much for taking the time and giving me an opportunity to connect. Yeah, thank you. And I really was looking forward to doing it. Obviously, we met um, kind of randomly at a conference I think it was just <laughs> over a year ago and uh, we've spoken mostly through whatsapp text messaging since so it's nice to to catch up in in or at least uh, you know over voice so yeah really, yeah really enjoyed it and thanks for um all your knowledge and and sharing it because I know our listeners listeners will enjoy so
Wonderful. You take care. Yeah, take care too. Have a good evening and, and chat again soon, Samira. This is a podcast from Task. Task helps you create and measure impact. For more information, please visit task.io.